What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain every time i sit down with a world champion i learn something new in this episode, we sit down with Tyron Woodley, UFC welterweight champ, and it's absolutely no exception. Enjoy. So what's up, champ? Nothing, man. I'm just out here at the Onnit, Onnit headquarters in Austin, Texas, training like a damn madman and having fun. <laughs> it's fun watching you do that. Does it ever, does it ever get weird? Does it, is it still weird to hear yourself called champ? Yeah, it's weird because, you know, um, I've been training my whole life to be the best in the world at something. When I was a kid, I thought I would be in the NFL. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, to be honest, I still think I can compete in the NFL. I still think I can play <laughs> to this day. Like, no I one think can, you picked the right sport. Yeah, I, I picked the right sport because, you know, the career span of an NFL player is five to six years, and some guys have been blessed with the new different training techniques and people training smarter to actually make it 10 years, 12 years. But um, there's nothing in me that says I can't. Um, compete in the NFL. Yeah, you know, being a strong safety, knocking a fucking helmet off. I feel <laughs> like I still can do that to this day. So I've just been a lifelong athlete. Um, I didn't accomplish it in high school. I was a state champion. I placed as high as you know third in nationals, but I never was that number one guy in college. I trained to be the number one guy. I do feel like you know my senior year, nobody outworked me. I was the best guy in the weight but I didn't put it on when it counted in NCAAs. Mm -hmm. So once again, I was left with that void. I was trying to make an Olympic team. I was on an Olympic ladder. And for those of you who don't know Tyron's history, he's talking about wrestling. Talking about wrestling, guys. Talking about wrestling. So um, in the sport of wrestling, um, I'd never achieved being the best. And it was just something in me that I felt like I was going to be great in something. And I didn't know if I was going to do mixed martial arts. To be honest, I was wrestling. I was coaching, mm -hmm. and I was doing a few amateur fights. And more importantly than that, and I know you know my buddy Eve was very well. Yep. I was a trainer. So I started as a training partner for Eve Edwards, Tiago Alves, Dean Thomas, um, Jorge Masvidal, mm -hmm. um, all these guys at American Top Team. They would fly me in. I was a damn bag of bones. Mm -hmm. Go spar with this guy. Go spar with that guy. I would come in in the morning, and they would bring me back at night for a second sparring session. And just because of my conditioning, uh, my wrestling mentality, and I was just really durable, and they would just beat on me. And that's what I was for a long, long time. And then- The forging I, of a champion. Man, the forging of a champion. Through the fire. Yeah. It was a humility of just knowing that, you know, it's it's going to be your time at some point. But right now, it's not your time. Yeah. And I always had the honesty. So when I got to the point where I was a world champion, I had foresaw that so many years in advance, it wasn't a surprise. It was an expectation. I knew it would happen. And, um, you know, just the way the sport has changed, you know what I'm talking about. It's more politics and it's more entertainment than it is sport. 
So it kind of took away them. I thought I would be screaming, yelling, being so happy, you know, walking around the house with the belt on, going to the grocery store. You know, if I show you where my belts are at right now, <laughs> in my office, in like a, a all-weather room, underneath, dusty as hell, they're not up on some mantle because at the end of the day, I've been a champion. You know, yeah. I just finally got the fight that was a world championship fight and won it. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, one thing that I always talk about is, you know, from my perspective, people always ask, you know, did you ever think that on it would be this big? And, and it's the same question, you know, really that you get, do you ever think you'd be a champion? And it's really a trick question because I don't think anybody can become anything if they didn't believe that they could become that thing. You know, you know I, like it's never going to be like a, oh, surprise, I'm yeah, CEO of this yeah. company. Oh, surprise, I'm a champion. Like yeah. unless you believe it first, you're not going to take the steps to get there. You're not going to fight through the pain and the blood and the resistance that's going to be on the path unless you believe that that's ultimately where you're headed. Well, you definitely got to believe, you know, and and for me, all my coaches believed before I did. My family, everyone saw greatness in me. They saw the champion in me. They saw me compared what I was as a wrestler, as a grappler, my mentality, the way I train, the speed I possess, the explosion, the power, the dedication, and the way that, you know, I'm more of a cerebral fighter than people recognize. Mm-hmm. I really break my fighters, I mean, my opponents down to a molecule. I know them so well. Sometimes I become them. Sometimes I take away every advantage or every gift that they have, and I leave them in the octagon naked, and they have to deal with me the whole fight. And when people watch me fight, they don't recognize what's going on. Steven Thompson didn't look the same way against me as he did against everybody else. Neither did Paul Daly. Neither did Robbie Lawler. Neither did Carlos Conde. These are all great guys that we talk about, but recognize what I did to them in that fight. I stripped them of their gifts. So with that said, I never imagined that this sport, I always imagined being a champ. This sport's too hard to be in it and not want to be the champ. Mm -hmm. But I never imagined this sport getting to where it was at. And as it got to where it's at right now, me being a champion at that current time, you know, injury could have stopped me, not making the proper money could have stopped me, um, losing motivation because it wasn't really the sport, the Bushido spirit that I originally got into MMA for, become more politics, more entertainment. At any point, I could have, with no, you know, no embarrassment, no shame, I could have walked away and I could have done something in business. I could have done something as an entrepreneur. I could have started, you know, uh, an agency where I was representing athletes. I could have done any of those things. But I think the more important thing is I chose to stick it out. 18 months on the fucking sideline, I waited for my time. When I got it, I seized the moment. Yeah. You mentioned it a couple of times, the politics and, and, you know, obviously the sport's given you a lot, but, you know, I think there's, clearly in your mind a way that it could be even better you know yeah. a sport that you love could be done better and it's no offense to the ufc they yeah. got their own thing going on but if you were able to be put in you know czar position and mm-hmm. emperor position over the the ufc and now there's investors and all kinds of people but let's just assume that you were able to really control and dictate policy you know what what would that organization look and feel like like how would you make some changes to make it better for the fighters better for the fans across the board Man, it's, it's cool you asked me that because I have a really clear vision of what I would do. Um, I would incorporate a draft. Um, I, I, I don't want to say this and um, offend anyone, but some fighters don't deserve to be in the UFC. You know, and you in the NBA, it's the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Not the best in high school. Not a person that got off the couch, said, hey, guess what? I'm going to fight a professional fight today at this bar. You know, you have to actually go to college in many of these sports. and You have to actually... Be the best of the best. You have to be drafted. Someone has to pick you and say you're going to be on this team. Then you got to make the the you know the tryout team or the you know the, the practice team, and then you yeah. got to actually get activated and go play in a game. We don't have that. 
Think about the athletes. I think an athlete should look a certain way. He should train a certain way. And because you're durable and you can take punches and you bleed a lot and you'll never give up, that shouldn't be a professional athlete. I think some of the other regional leagues that we so have you think now, So what you're saying is some fighters like that person you just described, that avatar, would be someone that the UFC keeps on just to make other people look better, right? That would Not be the only idea. that, but sometimes they're, they're matched up against a similar opponent. That's the same thing. And it becomes fight in the night. Yeah. We love it. And it was, oh, these guys are crazy. This dude was almost dead. This guy was almost dead. How many 10-day notice basketball games do you see? Yeah. <laughs> or hey, you're gonna do the PGA World Tours. Guess what? You got three. You got three days notice. Right. I need you to just jump up and get ready. We're the only sport that does that. And with that said, it, it paints a bad picture. And you know, some people still see our sport as you know the the fight that's taking place in the bar, uh -huh. and we just beating the hell out of each other. And it's he has a couple of rules, but not many rules. I think that our sport will be respected more. Don't cut anyone from the UFC. The people that are in the UFC currently, they stay in the UFC. But future um, guys that are signed, I think we should utilize the regional leagues as a draft. Two, three times a year, looking at Titan, looking at LFA, looking at um, 1FC, looking at Bellator, looking at all these different fight promotion. And we go, we evaluate the champions of those divisions first. We look at the talent that's up and coming. And we see what fighters are the fighters that we're going to bring into the UFC. And maybe that... It's maybe those guys going to a tough show. Maybe those guys are bring, brought right in. But I think if you do that, now we solidify sport more. Yeah. Don't just change the uniform and put us in a, a fight kit and think <clears> that <throat> makes us, you know, makes us solidify. I think that if you want to be side by side with other professional sports, that's important. It seems like well, a big problem in that is all of the organizations are so key on these exclusive contracts and locking people into one into one organization and really limiting the options. If it was more, you know, boxing has this a little bit where there's title belts, you know, from different governing bodies and organizations, WBC, WBO, whatever, all of these different things are. But then the fighters all have the chance to make matchups and make fights. And then pay-per-views are being broadcast based upon the fight and the promotion that was there. So it's almost, then it becomes really genuinely like a league. Yeah. You know, like a full league across the board and the best fights are being made at equitable prices. And it's just right now, it's more like these little organizations that are really antagonistic and competitive with each other. They're trying to lock everybody down. Whereas the best thing for the sport and the fans would certainly be, you know, fights get to be made amongst the best. And then the title belts carry, you know, across the board and promotions get to promote those certain events. You know, um, and just for you guys on live, because I didn't say this before, I'm here in Honest Studios in Austin, Texas. My homie Aubrey, we we just dropping knowledge, man. We're talking about the sport. We're talking about what we think is good about it, what we think can change, and just, you know, just a mindset from a champion standpoint, uh, which could be different than a different fighter. So that's what we're doing. But just to piggyback on what you said, not only should I should the exclusive contracts of only being able to fight for certain organization. I think that could change. I'm not 100% against, you know, you mm -hmm. in the UFC. I think it's some merit and value to being the UFC fighter. Or make it all, like, it's either, it, it can either be one organization or no organizations, yeah. right? It's just like, I feel but like it, it all needs NFL, to be. You got the NFL, you got the right, CFL, so, you got exactly. the arena. Yeah. But that, I think that at this, a certain point, um, UFC is like the NFL. And I think some of the other organizations like the Bellator, maybe the CFL, and then mm -hmm. some of these other ones is more, more like the indoor arena football. And I think 
outside of college, drawing people from that, you know, every fighter doesn't go to college in, yeah. in MMA. It's, a, it's so many different backgrounds of fighters. And that leads me to my next point, the marketing. We can't just pour 10 million a, a fighting Conor McGregor. What if Conor goes in boxing and never comes back? What if Conor, you know, fails a drug test? What if he gets injured to the point where he can't compete again? Yeah, disproportionate allocation of promotional. hundred percent. Attention, yeah. You, you have to build the prospect. So say, I'm going to just use round numbers. Say it's 10 million in um, UFC 205 for Conor or Jose Aldo or something that's a big fight that they know that this 10 million I'm putting in is going to come back tenfold because it's, it's going to be such a huge fight. I know we're going to partner and brand it. I know Conor's going to come to the press conference and he's going to make you want to watch mm -hmm. and not only that he's going to bring a whole country of ireland with them yeah that's something that they've tested it's worked three or four times it makes sense to continue to do that but also what about the top five guys those guys should be marketed in a certain way the number one contender he should always be marketed as he has a chance to win this fight it should never be ronda rousey's coming back and it's such a big yeah. push on her and she's fighting against a challenger who's actually a horrible matchup for her. Yeah. She was really put in the back wing as Ronda was overly marketed. Yeah, Joe, um, Joe was yeah. highly critical of that. Yeah, Joe Rogan and, and, was. And it's a bad look. It's a bad mm -hmm. precedence that's set on that. Um, so I think that the top five should be marketed. It says $10 million for the, the, that guy. Ronda, right now, Connor's that guy. You know, we can say what we want, but he's that guy. No our, he's a, the biggest superstar in our sport. He deserves a $10 million push. He deserves the person. That so it's not seen. necessarily less for Connor. It's no. just more spread around for everybody. It, it's, it's the mindset of hedging your bet. Mm -hmm. you, you can't put all your ducks in two or three athletes because tell me the superstars in MMA right now. Connor's on a break for right now. He might be boxing. He just had a kid. John Jones is not able to compete at the moment. He's going to compete in July. Ronda Rousey, we don't know what her future is. Who's a big star now? Yeah, it gets really kind of interesting in there. You so, have to you have to list to list one at that point. You have yeah. to list ten, right? You have to yeah. list like the other champions that are there, yeah. yourself and Cody, mm. and but you there's know, different no big people. superstars. No. you know mm. we're, we're seeing them put some money into Cody. You yeah. know, he's a good looking kid. He's got swag. You know, he got the tat thing going on. He's always fresh. He got the yeah. suit game on lock. He looks a certain way and he fights hard. Yeah. You know, they put in a little money in him. We've seen, you know, the the kind of wild card bet where they they doing a Paige Vincent in the Sage North Cup. We saw that. But what about the guys from the tough show should be promoted a certain way? The up and coming fighter should be um, promoted a certain way. You know, just the, the gangster fighter, fighter like Bobby Green or something like yeah. that should be promoted away. And then you got like, um, you know, Chaz Skelly and Jason Knight, they fall. One of those guys said, hey, it's only um, I'm the only redneck in the UFC. And it's only um, it's only room for one in this trailer park that we call, you know, the Ultimate Fighting Championship. That NASCAR WWE crowd should be marketed a certain way. Yeah, yeah. There's so many different demographics in, in mixed martial arts. It would be silly not to capture them all. And I feel like myself personally, um, where the UFC can market me more is I've already made the alignment and connections and networks with people in the hip hop industry, other mm -hmm. professional athletes. I think piggybacking on that because that demographic de demographic is open. Yeah. When Floyd Mayweather retired, the boxing demographic is up for the taking and we have not capitalized on that. And I think no other fighter on the roster right now has by themselves via the Champ Life. Make sure you guys check that out too, Champ Life and Champ Camp. Um, you know, doing that, doing a podcast, doing movies, doing television shows, doing commercials, and just really collaborating with guys like Snoop Dogg, Wiz Khalifa, Ludacris, all these different professional athletes from so many different sports. Let's bring them up. They love MMA. You know, I went to the Billboard Awards 
and Kevin Hart's coming up to me and Drake's coming up to me. Not because I'm saying hi to them. They're, oh, what's up, man? They know us from fighting. And we just don't recognize how many people are watching MMA right now. Mm -hmm. And I think the UFC should really capitalize on that. Well, it seems like with someone like WME behind the UFC now, that should be a layup, right? Yeah. I mean, this should be something that's really easy. There should be placements and collaborations yeah. and all of these things that are that are in the works. But it seems... I think vibe, that's going to happen, though. Yeah. Not to cut you off, but, you know... I went to the athletes retreat, which we had, you know, yeah. a few days ago. I really didn't want to go. I'm gonna be honest. I was like, man, I've been traveling so much. I want to be at home. And, you know, just with that said, I went out there with low expectation of what to expect. And bringing in speakers like Kobe Bryant, who's a genius when it comes down to business. I didn't know that about him. Michael Strahan, who really told us how to be yourself and make yourself a brand. And then guys like Brandon Marshall, who was currently playing for the uh, for the Giants and still, you know, an analyst on, on television. So it just showed us a different look. I think the direction they're going, if it's any resemblance of what we saw at this retreat, they treated us like top of the line. They brought Snoop Dogg in to perform for us. They really didn't hold any punches back and that's it really awesome. through the kitchen sink. So if that's a if that's an example of how they're gonna treat us moving forward, giving us a proper PR, the proper access, um, aligning us, you know, with different whether it's in fashion, whether it's in music, whether it's in, you know, if it's a female in cosmetic, even the LGBT community, just every angle just really, you know, attacking it then I think we will see the sport go in a different direction. Yeah. And it's interesting that there's, for us inside who know the sport so well, it's crazy to imagine that there's those people out there who look at the sport a totally different way. You know, like I, I ran into somebody the other day, she was actually interviewing for a job here and she goes, oh, I didn't know that the MMA was a real sport up until a week ago. And I yeah, go, what? Like problem. what? I, I mean, to me, that was unfathomable. She's not alone. <laughs> that was unfathomable, but she just equated it to WWE or something else that, and well, it, wrestling, you doing yeah. wrestling stuff. And I guess maybe some of it is just mainstream coverage, like mainstream news and these mainstream channels, talk shows and things haven't really fully gotten behind it, yeah. you know, except for a few moments with like maybe a few moments with Rhonda, a few moments with Connor, but it's time for the world to stop treating this yeah. like some dark alley, dark corner shit and yeah. realize that this is one of the coolest applications of a chess match between two athletes yeah. that you could possibly create. Yeah. All right. We can create a bouncing ball in a 10 foot hoop, or you can be on skates on a frozen, you know, frozen piece of ice and yeah. try and shoot it in nets. Or you can just have two people who look across from each other and try to figure so out fuck you. how to dominate the other person. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, that's like how, how, how cool is that? And it's, it's just, it's strange that people still look at it in a different way and look at, you know, you end a, you end a, a basketball game and you're as likely to hate that person forever yeah. as when you started, but you end a fight and almost every single time it's nothing but love at the yeah. end between the fighters. Like, this is not the thing. I don't that like the hug after is. the fight, though. <laughs> I'm good on that. You can sweat. And I don't know what your hygiene level is. I might have hit you. and You're bleeding. You, you know. You, you know. I can't. I don't know if you pissed before you. You know. Right before you walk out and wash your hands. I think we should dap it out. I think we should show the. You bump. just like them at the end of your fist yeah, at yeah, all yeah, times. Yeah, man, boom. Good fight, man. Good fight. Let's bow to each other. But at the end of the day, when you, um, especially if it's somebody that's been talking mad trash, though. If you've been talking mad trash and then how did I flip this camera? I didn't know I did that. If it was mad trash and then you you want to now hug me, 
No, brother, we ain't <laughs> hugging. Ain't no window love. Well, speaking of hugging, Damien Maya's going to try and hug you. Well, Damien Maya's going to get slapped. <laughs> he's trying to hug me. I mean, he's so. going to sneak. He's going to try and sneak up under there. He's going to start wrapping his legs around I, I you. Joke with, I joke about Damien Maya, the backpack thing. I'm not going to ease up on that because people love it. It's funny as hell, too. The thing about Damien Maya is I think people, oh, okay, well, just stop him from taking me down and fucking knock, knock him out. He ain't got no hands. But you don't understand how he's coming at you. Very unorthodox, no yeah. setups. He'll take a couple punches to get close to you, but all he needs to do is get those sticky fingers on you. Mm-hmm. You know, he has big hands. He has a lot of static strength. He's been in those positions over and over again. So with that said, I think more respect needs to be shown to us what he does and his ability to get on the backs of the best fighters in the world. Yeah. Um, I never underestimate a fighter. I never underprepare. I never think I got it in the bag. And I've also fought that type of fighter. Even Jake Shields. Jake Shields dominated um, him for three rounds. They did a five-round fight. I would get the first two rounds to Damian Maya. It was three rounds where he dominated Damian Maya. Yeah. So who do you think I might bring in for my training camp? Someone yeah. that dominated my opponent and said he felt like this in the situation. He came from this angle. And I also fought Jake Shields, who attempted to take me down 18 times and came up short 18 times. So... It's going to be very hard for Damian Maia to take me down, one, to get to his only position of dominance, which is on the ground. And also, you know, one of his um, Altos teammates, Andre Gaval, who at the time when I fought him, was the best grappler gi in, in the world. He would take anybody's back, submit him, and he was that guy. It was pictures in my gym about him. They were reading books. I said, take that shit down. Yeah. I got to fight this dude. I don't want to look at him every day in the gym. And he came in to take me down. And I made him pay every time. And then eventually I knocked him out and got him out there. Um, two different fighters, two different styles. The thing that worked for me best is when I took it to him. I took it to Gaval. I waited on Jake Shields and we saw the result. He came mm-hmm. out with the victory. So I think I'll go with the first, <laughs> yep. first way. And that's been something that, you know, you've taken some criticism for in the last fight with Wonderboy was yeah. just waiting too much. Because it seemed like when you did go, yeah. you know, everybody saw, oh, when, when he goes, he's dominant. Yeah. You know, so um, what was that? I mean, you've probably talked that thing to death, you know. No, but, I actually really haven't, to be honest. Yeah. You know, um, my college coach um, told me one time. Tyron, every time you shoot, you take the guy down. You need to shoot more. You know, every time, you know, mm-hmm. there's 90% chance if you actually go for a shot, you take the guy down. I said, I know, because I'm setting it up. <laughs> I know when I, I know when my uh-huh. shots are there. Yeah. I know when I have it. And I don't want to waste energy and I don't want to waste attempts and expose my body and put myself at risk. When I know I got a shot and I go for it, I commit to it. You can see I'm confident in it and the ass is going down. Um, and, and Wonder Boy, I can see he was waiting on me to come in, and I was waiting on him to come in, and we both are counterfighters. And you also have to recognize that the one thing that haven't changed in a sport, you got to be the champion. You want my belt? I didn't wait on Robbie Lawler. He had he had something I wanted, and I went after him, and I took the belt from him. Yep. If Stephen Thompson wanted my belt, he had to be more offensive. He had to come towards me. I don't have to weigh, weigh all the risks. I don't have to step into his game plan which in the past, the guys that were not patient, you know, you look at Robert Whitaker, you look at Johnny Hendricks, you look at even Roy McDonald, guys either don't have the patience and just say, F it, I'm going in, and what happens, they get knocked out. Mm-hmm. Kid punches hard on his way back. Or 
they never find a solution to the Rubik's Cube. You see a very confused Roy McDonald. You see somebody that just, how do I get to this guy? Mm -hmm. So though my moments came later in the round, I had to be patient. I didn't want to. I wanted to just take his damn head off a lot of times. And I had to really precisely choose when I went. And when I went, yeah, you're right. I did knock him down. I did. It did look very imposing. And I had more of those moments in the fight than he did. I had more moments where the referee was getting close thinking about stopping the fight. I knocked him down four times in the first fight. I knocked him down once in the second fight. And I imposed the only damage that the referee might have wanted to get involved with. So I know who I am. I know what I did in that fight. I know what I needed to do. And at the end of the day, um, the goal is to defend, defend, defend until you can't do it anymore. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And anybody, you know, anybody from the outside is operating on totally limited data. Oh my God. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's really actually kind of absurd for anybody to comment because not only are you there receiving all of the actual data from what your opponent is doing, what his strategy is, but you also have your entire data set of what your skill set is and everything for somebody else to imagine that they're you and then imagine that they're you perceiving him and decide that they know better what you should do. It's really actually absurd, but I think we all fall into that trap and it's perhaps part of the fantasy of being a fan. You know, you, you want to put yourself in these situations and imagine if you were in that situation with these skills and um, you know, it's an indulgence that a lot of people make, but really ultimately it's, it's a little bit silly. Yeah, and it's silly from a standpoint of our fighter fans, they have one fight style they want to see. You kicking the H out of me and me kicking the H out of you. That's all they want to see. Yeah. They want to see blood. They want to see a back and forth war. Sometimes it's not going to be that war. Sometimes I'm just about to dominate you. It's not going to be fighting night. I was in fighting night in New York, but I told Dan, I don't never want to be in fighting night. <laughs> I want to be whooping my opponent and I want him not to have answers for what I'm doing. And that's the way I see it. And also for me to sit here and say that everything I wanted to do, my game plan was 100% um, executed and basically I made no mistakes and that's how I planned it to go. I would be lying to you, brother. Yeah. There were things that I wanted to do. There were positions that... Um, I didn't maximize. There were opportunities that were there that I didn't take. And my coaches are honest with me. And they went back in the back and said, you know, you could have lost today. You know, it was close. He could have, you, he could have walked away with your belt. Now we bless it. People, some, one of the two of the judges saw the fight for what it was, but you know, you're capable of more. You know, you were prepared for more. You know, you were in the best shape and you know, it was opportunities where you could have, you know, seize a moment. So as champion, I think it's a good thing that you go out there and beat such a dominant striker. And it's not the first dominant striker. I beat the best brawler in the division, Robbie Lawler. I beat the most technical striker in the division, um, Carlos Condon. And I beat the most craftiest or creative striker in Steven Thompson. And how many moments I outbrawled the brawler, I outstruck Carlos Condon, and his coach said, no fighter wants to strike with Carlos. He said that. And I said, I'll, I'm begging you, and I'll show you when we fight. I'm your huckleberry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? You said that? Let's see. I'm <laughs> yeah. ready to go. And I, I think there's something to be said about that. And, um, you know, I don't get the credit for it, and um, I didn't get into this game for credit, though. I get into this game to be the best in the world, uh, the best welterweight that's ever fought in the UFC. And, you know, I'm five victories away from being that. Yeah. And you said, you know, you're talking about credit and you're talking about, you know, what other people think, you know, that's something that every champ has to deal with, you know, and deal with it. Everybody has their own methods and their own ways. And, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, on how you deal with that commentary, how you let it 
you know, whether you let it affect you, how you deal with it. And then, you know, I know we just shot a video about this. It's dope. It's going to yeah. be coming out. But, um, you know, just for the people listening here, how do you handle it? And what, what advice would you give people who, you know, have to deal with it in their own way, on their own little micro scale? Because You know we what's all funny? I, I deal with this all the time. Um, I used to go, I used to pick Friday and it should be Troll Smash Friday from like 8 to 9 p.m. <laughs> I would, anybody who says something, I would give it to them. I would smash them. I would go back. I would get personal. Then I would block them. I'd get the last <laughs> say. And it felt so good. But I was so childish for doing that. And yeah. I stopped doing it. And, and I've had talks with other fighters. You know, John Jones is represented by the same management team I'm represented by. And I say, John, why do you care? You're the most relevant fighter in our sport right now. You're the best fighter. Why do you give a hell what a media or what a fighter or what a fan thinks about you? You are the best fighter in the world. And I think the, the, the message I would give to anyone, just in general, on social media, if you don't know who you are, the problem is your self-identity. You have to know who you are. I know who I am. I know what I fight for. I know why I'm in this sport. And I know what I'm going to do in this sport. So no one can tell me how to get there. Especially if they don't know where I came from. How are you going to tell me how to get to the end if you don't know where I started at? You don't know my ambition. You don't know my passion. One time Dana White was on the phone with me. He said, Tyron, you know, man, you would be a superstar if you was more like Conor McGregor. Fight anybody. He'll fight anybody anytime. he get with the fans and don't bring up these sensitive issues. And I said, that ain't my goal. My goal ain't to be the most infamous. My goal ain't to be the, the highest paid UFC fighter. Granted, I do want to be paid, you know, what I'm worth. But at the end of the day, my goal is to be the best fighter ever to fucking fight in the UFC in welterweight division. My goal is to be someone that came in this sport with integrity that stood by what the hell he said from the beginning since Strike Force, and someone can actually go and look at an interview. Now, granted, I might not have dropped the bomb in Strike Force, I might not have been as you know animated, but I was still really saying the same thing. I want to fight Jake Shields because he's the best. I want to fight Nick Diaz because he's the best. I want to fight George St. Pierre because he's the best. And when I get to the point where I'm the best, I'll fight anybody, yeah. and that's staying true. I'm really the only guy outside of Demetrius Johnson that really will fight anybody. And we hear Conor McGregor fight anybody. Why, how, how Conor McGregor hasn't signed a contract to fight me? He's been given an opportunity. Nate Diaz has been given an opportunity. Nick Diaz has been given an opportunity. George St. Pierre has been given an opportunity. On the surface and in the media, everybody say they will fight anybody anytime. Ask those guys. You guys, ask these guys, why haven't they fought me? Why haven't they signed a contract? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's the thing. We want to portray this image like I'm that dude, but I'm really that dude. And nobody wants to step up to the plate and take the fight. So I'm forced to, to abide by the old rules. Fight the number one contender, win so many fights, and now you deserve a super fight. And that's a silly way of thinking. I think that if you know who you are and you're okay looking in a mirror, and even if you want to put on the act, you want to put on a little, you know, me, a little entertainment, and it's it's your alter ego just for the fight. Your family needs to know who you are. They need to know this is just to boost up the fight. This is just entertainment. If you can live with that, there's nothing someone can say on social media that should offend you, that yeah. should make you mad, and that should either make you second guess what you're doing, feel bad, and God forbid go out there and try to change your fight style to appease them and take the L and set yourself way back. Yeah, I mean, to sum up, pretty easy. Know who you are and don't yeah. take it personal. Know, you know who you are and don't take it personal. Yeah. And if you got a plan, stay on the course. Don't let, don't let someone... That's on the internet. <laughs> yeah. If they were doing what they, like you just told me your schedule is so crazy, right? Mm -hmm. you, got a, you got a deadline coming up. So everything that you were supposed to do in June, you got to cram in here. Anything that's not on a priority list, you got to push to July. You got to finish this deal up, right? Yep. Do you have time to go on the internet 
And <laughs> do you have time to go on the internet and worry about somebody else's life and tell them how to do what they're supposed to do better? You don't. No. People that are successful, they're busy doing what they're doing. You just saw what we shot today. Yeah. We shot three or four days in one day. I don't have time to get on the internet and hate on somebody that, oh, Tyron Willie, he did that technique wrong. Oh, he wasn't even, <laughs> I know he only did that for 20 seconds. Oh my God, look at that shirt. He looked like he had a little chub on the side. Like somebody <laughs> will always have something to say, whether yeah. you're doing great or good things, I mean, bad things. Well, and even when they're, even when they're giving you compliments, they don't really know either. They don't know. You know and and that know. was one thing, you know, when I first came into the public eye and I finally had my first haters and I was like, what the hell is this? It yeah. felt terrible. Yeah. And I went to my friend Bodie Miller, who's Olympic skier, world champion. And he actually had the distinction of being like the most hated athlete, even more hated than after OJ did the car chase. Yeah. Like as far Sometimes as you want to just go ahead and let was, it go, right? He was the most hated person <laughs> ever. And I asked him, I was like, Bodie, man, how did you deal with it? He's like, listen, nobody knows what you did, why you did it, how you did it, other than you. Yeah, you're you're right. the only one who really knows. So if they're pumping your tires and saying, oh, great job, that was amazing, like they don't really know. And if they're right. saying, you suck, that was horrible, they don't really know. So yeah. only you're you not doing know, it for them either. Yeah, only yeah. you could know if you've done your best and you do your best and that's all you can do. Yeah. And you don't let other people you know, their opinion of you, the way they look at you, be a mirror for how you see yourself. Yeah. Know who you are and don't look around you like you're in this hall of mirrors, like that fucking Bruce Lee movie where he's looking around in all the mirrors and everybody's eyes are those mirrors and you're trying to watch it and see, who am I, who am I, who am I, who am I? What do you think? What do you think? Yeah. You'll make yourself dizzy. You'll go insane. And it literally becomes that classic hall of mirrors where you're yeah. completely lost. Know who you are and dispel all those other mirrors. Yeah. And, and, and You know, it's funny. It's something you brought up earlier and you guys see this video later um so i'm talking about when you do it you do it for love yeah love can also be replaced with passion yep. if you like one thing i like about what i do is i'll finish doing something i'm like damn i'm getting paid for this i'm on fox and i'm just talking with the boys and i'm talking fights and you know i might be shooting the shooting shit a little bit and i get done i'm like i'm getting paid for this <laughs> i just did a train i did like 10 training sessions today and i'm like man this is just what i like to do I like training more than I like fighting. Sometimes I don't even like fighting. I'm just good at it because I'm competitive and everything, adversity, wrestling, all the things in life just makes me so happen to be good components to be a great fighter. But if you're passionate about something and you are gifted, God gave you gifts to be good at that thing, you're going to do it. It's not going to be hard for you. Now, if you operating in a field that you want to do, hey, I want to be a singer because I saw Beyonce and man, she, it makes it look so fun. We're in, a, we're in an era where social media is the internet mill. We see what everybody's doing and we want to be what they are and we want their money. We want their success. We have the opportunity to see so much now that we don't want to look down deep in ourselves and see what's my purpose? Yeah. Why am I on this earth? What gifts do I have that I can do better than anybody else? I'm not going to prepare my own taxes. I'm not gifted to do that. Yeah, now I can do it. But guess what? It's going to take me so much more time. The chances of me making error are very high <laughs> and I am not trying to go to jail. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that find your lane, sprint in that damn lane. And when you're passionate about it and you know what you're doing and why you're doing it, you'll be less likely to allow somebody to, to hate on you or to make you feel less of a person or to make you change what you're doing. And one thing too is a lot of people don't know what their lane is. Right. And, you know, so spending some time to figure that out. But if you haven't figured it out, 
pick a lane and sprint as if it was your lane. Because the practice of sprinting, the practice of becoming great, even if it's not ultimately what you're going to do, that is an art form in itself. Like become great at whatever, at anything. You know, when I'm, I've hired 140 people here in this company and, and that's my active employee count. And what I look for more than anything is, you know, even if I'm hiring them for a different job, have you been great at anything? Have you been, have you shown that you're capable of being great at something? Because if you're capable of being great at something, you can be capable of being great at this because that's a skill in and of itself so don't worry yourself is this the perfect thing just practice going all out all in 100 and that'll serve you and then that might help you uncover what that is because you'll see it to the end and you'll know man i gave this thing 100 this was the outcome let me try a different lane and see what my 100 does in that lane you know it's a good just to backtrack a little bit for the live and the video and this people just to kind of you know so you guys can get me and aubrey's relationship um I'm at a point in my life and my career where I only want to be aligned with people I believe in. You know what I mean? I'm not hurting for money. I don't need to just sign up with any sub. I've been with supplement companies I didn't believe in, and I've been with companies that I was just cashing a check. And I reached out to these guys because I was at a point where I went two years with no supplements. I know you guys see the way I'm built, the way I'm shredded. Some people might even think I'm on PDs, but to be honest, I called Aubrey and I was like, hey, man, I didn't take supplements in two years. I was just trying to eat clean, organic, healthy, and it's getting to the point where I'm 35 years old and it's not enough anymore. And I would say I would sign with another company. I probably would still consume and buy on the supplements. <laughs> and that sounds funny, but I say, you know what? I'm going to make the investment. I made the call. Yeah. I flew myself down here and I wanted to come and see more about this company. I wanted to actually come in here and see where the mindset to build this come from and why did you design on it and where did the ideology come from? And I want to see the, the training um, environment. I want to see what these supplements do. And before I even, before I even committed or we did this deal, you said, I want you to try them first mm-hmm. and I want you to see if you like them. And I want you to see if you feel um, the difference in it than anything else. And I think that's the organic relationship that you should always have. Now, when you up and coming fighter it's tough you got bills to pay. You might condom sign. depot. Yeah, nobody, might, I was just nobody likes condoms, but yeah. people have to rep condom <laughs> <Hey>. depot. <laughs> you might do condom depot. You might do such and such supplements, but at the level that what was I'm the at, what was the weirdest what was the weirdest sponsor you ever had? The weirdest sponsor that I ever had. Let me see. That's a good point. I have been picky. I had the opportunity for Condom Depot and I did Condom not. Depot wanted, they wanted that big, um, that big across your back of your shorts with the big O right over your asshole. Oh, I take that back. I take that back. This is the weirdest sponsor that I had. And I, and I, and I like the brand. There was a company called Dude Wipes. Dude Wipes. Dude yeah, Wipes, I know yeah. Dude Wipes. And, and I reached out to those guys and I brought them into the MMA game. Uh-huh. I saw them on the internet. I'm like, man, you know what? Nobody knows about them. If I put this logo on my butt, <laughs> people are going to go nuts. <laughs> They're going to make every single comment you can. And I did it against Roy McDonald. I brought them into the MMA game. I was the first fighter to ever sponsor. Since then, I've helped them, you know, consult on other athletes. Should you sign this guy? What he's worth? Things of that nature. And when I put that on my butt at the weigh-in, it was the number one trending thing on Twitter. (laughs) So just to have that mindset, I haven't really signed with companies that I, that's like, okay, this don't go with my brand. Sure. No. So I've been blessed to at least been able to filter that way, but I would have to say do wipes and maybe full tip poker back in the old days. Yep. It was paying so much money. I don't even know how to play <laughs> blackjack in these deals, but um, they were paying me so much money in strike force. I had a patch everywhere. I yeah, had a were, hat, armpit, those, <laughs> heels, flash tats. Yeah, everything. So 
For yeah. Sure. And, well, one thing that's consistent with both of those is it's just you taking the initiative, yeah. you know, you seeing what you want and going after it. Yeah. And that's, I think so many times we get stuck in this victim yeah. role where we're waiting for something to happen for us, waiting for opportunity to present itself oh, yeah. and be like a, a moving animated gif where it's flashing here, like opportunity, yeah. opportunity, Ooh, opportunity. Great. Yeah. It, that's that, not that the way the world, awesome. that's not the way the world works. Yeah. This isn't a video game where yeah. the thing you're supposed to pay attention to lights up, yeah. you know, you got to go out, scan, seek, you know, trust your instincts, trust your intellect, yeah. go out there, find what you want and manifest. And you got to trust happen. the supplement these days because yeah. I went from, I went from two years of no supplementation to basically deciding I wanted to consume supplements again. And then it just so happened that when I decided that what came on board, USADA. And how many people do you think if I flag for something, Tyron been on that shit. Yeah, strife. Yeah. I, knew I, knew it. It. I knew it. I saw his belly poking out right here. And I, <laughs> everybody would love to tag me with that just because of the way I'm built. But at the end of the day, I've never believed in the light switch. Everything is always hard work with me. And I was so stubborn for those two years. I'm like, I wanted to know that I can do it without it. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, you can, but it comes a point when you're competing at that level and you cross training so much, you might need a little bit extra. And I wanted to be with something, one, because I'm lactose intolerant. Mm -hmm. And if I pump dairy, it would be scary in this office. I would light everybody <laughs> up. So I needed something that was going to be organic. I needed something that was going to be, you know, not have glue, not have dairy. And I had more options with that, with what on it to do that. And I'm like, you know what? I feel safe. I sent, I know you told me I didn't have to, but I sent all these supplements to USADA. Mm -hmm. I had them test them, make sure I was good because when you're a world champion, you make a way different amount of money than when you're not. So the last thing I want to do is go out there, feel like I'm putting something safe into my body, and then go and compete and flag and get a, you know, whether six months, eight months. Just watch years, out for whatever. those gas station dick pills, Tyron. Hey, man, hey. <laughs> those those you gotta, will get you. Hey, watch out for those babies. I mean, the honest stuff's clean, but God, I got, I, those gas station dick pills might work, but yeah. you don't know why they're going to work. Yeah, man, I mean, I appreciate that, yeah. and, and I think that's the way we try to develop all our relationships. Yeah. We, I want... I'm in the same position. Like we have access to all of the fighters really, you know, with a single phone call, I can yeah. get anybody's number, talk with them, but I want relationships with people who are pushing out a similar ethos, really to, to be in touch with what they're putting in their body and just try to become the best. I mean, yeah. that's what on it's about. It doesn't matter. I don't know if you saw him in there today. He was in there kind of the same time as you. We have a guy Gordon in there. He's maybe 400 pounds. And then a couple yeah. of weeks ago for the first time in his life, he was able to bend down and touch the ground, right? Like making improvements in his mobility, hitting the steel maze, <laughs> hitting Battle the ropes, you know, and, and this is on it is not just for champs like you. It's yeah. for, it's for everybody. It's anybody who wants to take themselves from one level and bring it to the next oh, yeah. level. And we're just trying it to provide the tools My weight cuts it. are starting to get harder, man, as I get older. Mm -hmm. I used to be able to just share the stuff off. And uh, I remember in New York, when I fought Steven, that was the hardest weight cut. I never complained. I never talked. I, I really have no sympathy for any person that's missing weight. I'm going to just tell you, because my weight cuts are hard. And just eating properly, supplementing properly, I can honestly say my next weight cut was a little bit better. You know, Robbie, Robbie was okay because I was so pumped up and motivated for that fight. I was working out so hard. I was sweating a lot more. But go ahead and fight November, December in New York mm -hmm. where it's cold. When you don't have the greatest access facilities and you have double the amount of media. And now you got to work out and cut weight with no energy. So, um, you know, fighting in those winter months, I think is real important to, to notice that, identify that, tighten up your diet. And um, it don't help to be on some, um, some good supplements. What's... Uh What's next beyond this, beyond what you've already established in the sport? I mean, if you could call in something else and manifest it, what else would you bring into your life? Here? You know, to be honest, you know, 
I was talking to Brandon Marshall, football player. He um, did a speech at the retreat. And one thing that I really was feeling, because I feel the same way, my final destination is not MMA. It's not even my purpose in life. It's just a vehicle to get me to my next deal. My purpose in life is to be a motivational speaker, mm -hmm. to be an author. I have three books in my head that I haven't put the, put the paper yet. I think it's time now to start scribbling a little bit on those. Um, also, I want to open up the nonprofit. Before I opened up a, my gym, ATT Evolution, the goal and the mindset was a nonprofit to take kids off the street. Martial arts is a very affordable thing to train. Mm -hmm. um, you can't really just throw anybody in tennis, golf. Those things are expensive. You yep. know, any extreme sports or horseback riding, you know, it takes a lot of money to start those things. And I think the discipline you learn in martial arts, whatever form it is, it translates into life skills. And I feel like I always didn't have that positive person in my life to help me not to be in gangs, not to be a knucklehead, not to get into trouble that I got into. So I want to do that. And the business mindset that I have now, since I've owned a profit gym and I've went through the bumps and I've forked over half a million bucks in mistakes, now I can open up that profit center, I'm nonprofit center, and I can be confident in business that I won't do something stupid. If I close that baby down, where do I put those kids back? On the street. Yeah. If I close my gym down now, they're going to go down the street and go to another gym. Yeah. So I think doing those things, obviously, becoming more full-time as an analyst, uh, I will actually like to analyze other sports. I don't want to be locked into just MMA. I want to do, I've done stuff with um, MLB before on Fox. I've done um, football. Now I want to be a little bit more versatile in that aspect. Uh, and acting is next for me. I want to be an action actor. I think that I take it serious. The same mindset that I use for training, you know, I try to perfect that craft. And in the next few years, you'll see me doing more movies, a lot more acting coaching, and then, you know, transitioning. So when I exit MMA, I'm already, I already have my foot in like four or five things. Well, you've already, as we said before, you've already shown that you can be great at one thing, probably a couple of things, but for sure in the MMA side, proven that unequivocally to the whole world. And so I have no doubt you'll prove it in everything else. Well, I appreciate try, my it, friend. my man. For sure. Everybody, Follow this man, listen to his podcast, check Boom. out The Champ Life. Um, where else should people check you yeah, out? Yeah, you guys, my, my social media handles are easy. It's um, at T Woodley with three O's on all handles, IG Snap, Twitter, Facebook. You can just search by name. Um, definitely check out my, my vlogs, man, because you get the uncut raw. Sometimes you get embedded and we see all these other things. You get the, the filter that the UFC feels like using at the time, and it's really universal. Everybody get the same filter. So Champ Life. Champ Camp on YouTube. Also, you can check out my podcast, The Morning Wood Show with these Ooh. nuts. We're going to record <laughs> one tonight, and um, we'll talk about the the retreat. We also talk about my experience here on it. So make sure you guys check that out. And that's that's about it, man. Hell yeah. It's been good having you out here, man. Man, it's been awesome. Sure. Much love, everybody. See you next time. Peace. People often ask me why I started on it. And one of the best answers to that question is it has everything that I fucking love. It has the fitness products that I've loved using for years between the kettlebells, the maces, the clubs, all of these unconventional tools that have history in some cases that extend back a thousand years, but that modern athletes are using. It has the best supplements. Not only have we taken natural ingredients, we've tested them in rigorous clinical trials like Alpha Brain with the Boston Center for Memory. And then it has all of these delicious functional foods and proteins. This is a culmination of all of the tools that I like to use to benefit my life on a daily basis. And I literally use these things on a daily basis. I love this stuff. It's a key part of who I am. And I hope you guys love it as much as I do. Onnit.com slash Aubrey, O-N-N-I-T.com slash Aubrey. You'll save 10% on everything. Enjoy.